Amen. Hey, once again, we're in our study, World Religions, Colts and the Occult. Pastor Bobby, it's number 15 called... Satanism and the rise of devil. That's right. With authority, he says that because he's a pastor. And that's what pastors do all day. We practice our voice. Speaking with authority. That's right. Remember that authority class in seminary? Oh, authority 101. Well, I think I got a D. No, anyway, but uh, there, hopefully there's not really a class that's called that. But anyway, that's right. Uh, we are dealing with the aspect of Satanism and the rise of devil worship. Of course, we finished uh, section 14 on witchcraft and the rise of Wicca. 20 weeks on that. Now we're in our second week on this topic. Now, we've already dealt with, if you were here last time, the existence of Satan. Now, why do we do that? Because people today, even in the church, are in denial that he's really a literal being. And that, that's what we saw. He is real. He's not a, quote, figment of your imagination. 91 to 99% of Americans who consider themselves religious, they don't believe. 91 to 99% don't believe in a literal devil. Isn't that nuts? And then we saw what's even crazier. 65% of people professing to be Christians say that he's just a symbol of evil. No wonder we're getting smacked around. No wonder things are messed up, not just in the world, but in the church. And we saw the proof of that. Number one is what? When you want to find about the truth about something certainly spiritual things where do you go bible so we took a look at the biblical proof old testament new testament all the place shows this is a real entity uh, i.e a fallen angel to whom we still have to deal with so how can you sit there and deny he's not real the second proof we took a look at of course was the societal proof okay and uh, it's not uh, you don't have to look too far to see that satan is up to some pretty devilish behavior right? he's out there and there really are here's the point it's Satanism. That means people who are just not just acknowledging his existence. They're what? They're worshiping him. Okay? And it's leading to a rise of devil worship, as we saw the Bible said, would happen also, not just witchcraft, in the last days, specifically in the seven-year tribulation. But these people are doing this with a real entity. It's really happening. It's not some make-believe thing to scare people. Okay? So that's what we dealt with in the existence of Satan. Okay? You, listen, you cannot deny the existence of Satan without denying what the scripture says okay and as a christian you should never do that god's the one who determines the truth not you or your feelings okay now tonight we're going to deal with a couple more if we can get that far and the second one that we're going to deal with here is now we're going to take a look at the character of satan okay the character of satan okay and again we're dealing with the spiritual Aspect. So if you want the ultimate lowdown, the ultimate facts, the ultimate truth on a spiritual truth, including Satan, including his character, where do you go? Rhymes with the Bible. And that's where we're going to be again tonight. Uh, and that is in Revelation chapter 12. Let's take a look at just one passage. We're going to be ripping through a bunch of them tonight. Revelation chapter 12, verses 1 through 9. Okay. And uh, we're going to begin to take a look. We know we've demonstrated biblically and societally that Satan really exists. All right. Now, what kind of a character? Right. Uh, and, and this helps us. Right. Because when you know the character of somebody, you know what you're up against. Right. Is this good? Is this bad? Do I need to be on my toes? Do I do I trust this thing? What do I got? Am I on guard? You know, do I feel safe? What do you you got to understand the character? So let's take a look at the character of Satan. Right. Just just one passage. And uh, we'll go even deeper beyond this. But Revelation chapter 12, 1 through 9. A great and wondrous sign appeared in the heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of 12 stars on her head. 
if only I knew who this was, what was it? It's an astrological sign. That's what it is. It's astrology. It's some sort of figure. No, that's actually what some people said a few years ago. Remember that thing? That September 23rd prophecy thing? I don't know if you guys remember that when we called that out and says that's not an astrological sign. Read the scripture. Scripture interprets scripture. The woman, and specifically clothed with the sun, the moon under her feet, and crown of 12 stars under her head, go back to Genesis. It's a direct quote saying it's Israel. Right? This is Israel. This is not some astrological sign. Remember that? Remember when we called that out? I don't know if you guys remember. We had people stalking the church, threatening us. Right? They even stalked my house. Remember that? All because of a misapplication. Nuts. I even got hate mail. Threatening hate mail. I still have it. And there was a temptation on September 24th. But I didn't do it. Anyway, so just pray for those people. And here it is. Israel is the context there, right? And she was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Well, wonder Israel gave birth to wonder who? Jesus. That's right, the Messiah is Jesus. We'll see that in the context. Uh, and then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon uh, with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on his heads. Uh, of course, we're going to see, contextually, we're talking about Satan. You don't have to wonder, if I only knew who the dragon was, I'd just, just keep reading. The Bible will tell you, right? And here's what he says. And an enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on his heads, and his tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. Speaking of the demons that went with Satan, right? So one-third, which means two-thirds stayed with who? God, right? So there's twice as many good holy angels as there are uh, evil uh, fallen angels, demons, okay? And so the dragon or Satan stood in front of the woman, Israel, who was about to give birth so that she, he might what? Devour her child the moment it was born. What did Satan try to do, even uh, uh, working his way up uh, to the birth of the Messiah? Because what was the birth of the Messiah? The birth of the Messiah was the, uh, the great promise in Genesis 3.15, right? That after Adam and Eve sinned and brought sin into this world, okay, God promised that one day the seed of the woman was going to what? Crush the head of the serpent, Right? And so Satan knew that somebody was going to come from the lineage of mankind, and then ultimately later with the Davidic promises, it was going to come through the Jewish uh, people uh, and things of that nature, the Abrahamic promise and Davidic co- uh, covenant. And, and so guess what? So throughout history, he's always trying to what? He's certainly trying to wipe out the Jews. Why? Because who's coming through the Jews? The Messiah, the one who's going to fulfill this promise to crush his head, right? You see that even back with Haman. Remember Haman? Was wanting to what? Destroy the, the, the Jewish people, right? Even after he, you know, uh, Herod was looking for the baby when he was going to be born, and, and then after he was born, he tried to uh, wipe out all the possible candidates. And he still, so who's he trying to kill? And then even Satan must have thought that he won when Jesus died on the cross. But what he thought was his greatest victory was his greatest undoing. God never loses, right? And here comes Jesus. Hello, right, loser, right? And so he, who, that's who he seeks through Israel. That's the one he's trying to devour. And it gets even more clear than that. Who was about to give birth so that he might devour her child the moment it was born. She gave birth to a son of who? A male child, obviously Jesus, who will what? Rule all the nations with an iron scepter. Now, who's that? That's clearly Jesus ruling and reigning the planet. These are also, again, Scripture interprets Scripture. You look in the Old Testament prophets, that's the exact verbiage they use, speaking of the Messiah who would come and rule and reign on the planet with an iron scepter. It's clearly Jesus, right? Okay, and then it goes on and says this, that her child was snatched up to God to his throne. What's that? That's the ascension of Jesus. 
right? After he rose again from the grave, hung around for a little while, and then he ascended to the right hand of the Father. So then the woman fled, Israel fled into the desert to a place prepared for her by God where she might be taken care of for 1,260 days. In other words, Israel, God's not done with them, right? And the back half of the seven-year tribulation, he's going to sovereignly protect them. And why is he going to do that? Because other scripture tells us that at the midway point of the seven-year tribulation, the Antichrist is going up into the rebuilt Jewish temple, and he, uh, uh, Zechariah tells us he's going on slaughter. Two-thirds of the Jewish people are going to be slaughtered by the Antichrist. But how many, right? One-third is going to be sovereignly protected for the back half of the seven-year tribulation because God's not done with Israel, right? He always has a remnant, right? And then there was what? <clears throat> there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels, the good holy angels, fought against the dragon Satan, and the dragon and his angels, the demons, fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down. Again, this whole time, if I just knew who the dragon was, I just don't know. I just, if I, I gotta get a vision from God. No, you don't read, <laughs> right? There, and so <laughs> it was hurled down. The ancient serpent called the who? The devil, or... Here's an option for you. Satan, right? Scripture interprets Scripture. Who leads the whole world astray? Who's the one responsible for all the filth and the evil and the wickedness? Anything that is anti-God, anti-Jesus, anti-Bible, anti-the truth comes from where? Satan, right? And he was hurled to the earth and his angels, the demons, with him. No wonder things are messed up. Okay? But again, that's just one uh, passage dealing with a character of Satan. He's likened unto the serpent who caused the fall of mankind, the Genesis account, a dragon, great ferocious creature, okay? Uh, But he what? He also leads people what? Astray. So don't ever listen to this guy because what's his character? He he will lead you astray 100% of the time, okay? But again, that's just the beginning when you take a look at this real live entity that we're dealing with. Let's now explore even more uh, of the character of Satan, what the scripture says to whom we have to deal with. I don't need to be afraid, but let's not be dumb or foolish and act like this isn't really going on. And, you know, he's just over off in the corner and he's not actively doing. No, (laughs) he's out there. Okay, let's take a look at some of those. Let's rip through this. First of all, he's called the accuser. Right? Who opposes believers before God, Revelation 12, 10. He's called the adversary, a rival opponent in a conflict, Job chapter 1. He's called an angel of light. He masquerades, right? He appears good when he's what? Really evil, uh, right? 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. 14. Uh, Beelzebub, meaning the Lord of the flies or dung. Okay, Matthew 12, 24. He's also called Belial, meaning worthless, 2 Corinthians six fifteen. The deceiver. Again, leads people from the truth and into error, Revelation 12, 9. What's his goal? His goal is to get people away from the truth of God, the way the truth that Jesus Christ is the way out of this mess, how to escape hell, and go to, just long enough until they take their last breath so that they can join him ultimately in the lake of fire. That's, that's who we're dealing with here, okay? Uh, he's the devil, or one who slanders, diabolos, one who just constantly riddles with accusations and things of that nature, falsely accuses, Matthew 4, 1. He's the enemy, hostile opponent, Matthew 13, 28, 1 Peter 5, 8. The evil one, right? Uh, it's the, we've, I've given you this Greek breakdown many times, uh, paneros. The word that's used of the devil is paneros, evil, but there's also another Greek word for evil. It's just kakos. That's just a general evil. Let me give that analogy I give all the time so you understand the difference. Kakos 
evil would be like a guy goes to 7-Eleven. There's some people in the store. He goes to the counter with the cashier. He pulls a gun on him and says, hey, give me all your money. Cops surround the place, completely surround the place. They're on the bullhorn and say, hey, give it up. Put the gun down. Come out. There's no way to escape. So the guy puts the gun down and he gets arrested. That's kakos. That's general evil. Paneros. When that's used, doesn't mean that. It's the exact same scenario. You're in a 7-Eleven. There's a couple people in the store. There's a guy behind the cashier. The guy who's Poneros evil, he goes up to the cashier, says, give me all your money with the gun to the guy's head. And, and the cops surround the place and say, give it up. We're totally surrounded. And there's no way of escape. Put the gun down. The guy doesn't. He's not Kakos. He's Poneros. He knows his gig is up. He knows there's no chance of escape. He knows that his time is it's almost over. You know what he does? He starts shooting as many people and killing them in that store as he can. That's Poneros. That's the difference. That's the one that's used of the devil. He knows he's going to the lake of fire, but he's so stinking evil. He's seen how many people he can take with him to the lake of fire. He knows he's lost, but he's Poneros, right? The evil one, God of this world, little g, he controls the philosophy of this world. Again, anything that's anti-God is coming, ultimately inspired by Satan. 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, he's the great red dragon. Again, a destructive creature. Revelation 12, 3, 7, and 9. He's a liar. He perverts the truth, twists, contorts it. John chapter 8, and he's the father of lies, he says there, Jesus. He's also a murderer. He's been one from the beginning. He leads people to physical and eternal death, right? He'll lie just again. He'll lie that say, hey, go get drunk, you'll be fine. Guess what? Some people go get drunk and they ain't fine. They die in a car crash. They're not accepting Christ. They're saved. They go straight to hell. He doesn't just want to kill people. He wants to kill them who don't know Christ. So they go to hell. He's Poneros. Understand whom we're dealing with here, right? And eternal death, not meaning that, oh, you, like some people falsely teach, you go to hell and you poof, right? You just annihilate. That's, no, that's not what the scripture teaches. Uh, Hell is just as long as heaven is, right? Matthew 25, Jesus in the exact same verse says, those who go to eternal life or eternal judgment. How long is heaven? Then how long is hell? You don't go poof, magically disappear, right? But that's what he's up to. He's the power of this dark world, the creator of all dark activity, dark occults, dark this, dark all kinds of stuff. Ephesians six twelve, the prince of devils, the commander of demons, Matthew twelve twenty four. He's the prince of the power of the air, again, the ruler implied to the demonic realm. Oh, by the way, as we dealt with our study before in Ephesians, uh, when it talked to Ephesians 6, when it talks about powers and principalities, rulers and all that stuff, there's a hierarchy that's involved there. And isn't it interesting how the evil one and the demons understand the proper structure and the hierarchy and working together as a team? Of course, they're doing it for evil. And then sometimes in the church, it's all herky-jerky and it's all over the place and no wonder we're not getting anything done, right? I mean, the demons know hierarchy and they follow it like an army, right? And, and as you guys know, in the military, you need to follow orders the chain of command so you don't keep losing battles and get all messed up, right? Uh, but anyway, so that's another one. Prince of this world, authority behind our wicked world, John twelve thirty one. the roaring lion, vicious animal seeking to what? Devour people. He wants to completely devour and destroy in 1 Peter 5, 8. Ruler of this world, the chief leader again behind this world system, John 12, 31. And just Satan, Satan himself inciting people to sin, to turn away from God, Matthew 4, 10. Serpent, crafty deceiver, Genesis 3, uh, 4, and 2 Corinthians 11, uh, 3. And the serpent of old, the original deceiver in Eden, Revelation 12, 9. The spirit of those who are disobedient, right, gets people to oppose God's will. 
uh, Ephesians 2, 2. Now, again, when you're witnessing to somebody that's not a Christian, yes, you need to witness to them, but under your breath, what do you need to be doing? God, by the power of your spirit, open their hearts and minds. The, the little God of this world is blinding their minds. They can't understand the truth. It isn't going to be your words that's going to open their hearts. It's the spirit of God. Now, he'll use your words, especially his word, the Bible, right? But by the power of the spirit, God, open their hearts because this guy is the one who's behind them, not getting it, not seeing it, always going anti so, again, it's a spiritual battle. He's the tempter, the one who solicits uh, people to sin, Matthew 4, 3. He, again, is the wicked one, evil, corrupt, and morally wrong, Matthew 13, 19. So, again, that's just, uh, what did I give you there, about 25 or so characteristics from the Bible, Old and New Testament. And I don't know, maybe it's just me, and maybe it's just because I'm slanted, but I'm kind of thinking that the character of Satan is kind of bad. And then you wonder why things are so messed up. This is his character, as described by God, who never lies. Oh, and he told us, why do you think that God would lay down? And I, this isn't all of them, folks. We just looked at 25 characteristics from the word of God about Satan. Not two, not five, 25. And that's not all of them. Why do you think God would have so many references describing the character of Satan in the scripture for us? It's for our good. That's right, Read. It's for our good. Right? And again, any time that God repeats himself or says something many times, what's he trying to say? Pay attention. This entity is not just real. He's a really bad character. So take it serious. I didn't say you had to be afraid. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. And God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and sound mind. But guess what? He's evil and he's out to destroy. So don't go put your head in the sand and act like this ain't happening, right? But that's the character. Now let's take a look at the societal proof, okay? And it's with this premise. If Satan is real, and he is, and if he's really rotten to the core, and he is, right? And uh, then he's probably out there spreading his evil character across the planet. How many guys can figure that out without any help? Raise your hand. Praise God. Okay, well, guess what he is? Now I only have one opportunity uh, uh, one avenue I'm going to deal with tonight because I want to get into uh, the, the second one. Uh, how's he doing it then? Right? Well, media. And I'll just give you a little teaser. Lord willing, for still alive and still here, we just started a new documentary called Subliminal Seduction. How the mass media mesmerizes the minds of the masses. That's a mouthful. Really excited about it. But specifically, the media. Right? You think, well, these people aren't going to join a satanic group and they're going to, well, you're, as, as we progress, you're going to see it's on the rise. That's sad. But you're right. Uh, not everybody's going to do that. So how does he get people to emulate his character? He's doing a fantastic job with this thing. And then he's brainwashed us to think, ah, oh, it has no effect on us. <laughs> you know, advertisers spend, listen, 100, and I think it's 63 or 68 billion dollars every year on advertising because they got a lot of money to burn. They just love wasting billions of cash. Now, why do they use media and advertisement in media, 168 billion every year? Because they know they're not going to break even. They know that they're going to make that money back and a ton more. Why? Because media affects what you think. And what you think determines how you behave. And the enemy's not dumb. He knows that too. And it may not just be to get you to buy stuff, although that can turn into idolatry, which is a sin. Right? Which is what Satan's all about. 
uh, but it could be to get you to act like him. He's a murderer. He's a liar, right? He wants to kill you. He wants to lead you astray. He wants you to do everything opposite of what God says. And folks, I'm convinced he is doing that with the media. Let's just take a look at some stats uh, we've seen before. The average American adolescent will view nearly 14,000 sexual references on TV every single year. But nah, that doesn't have an effect on our society. Our society is not going rampant in that area. Yeah. 75% of primetime shows include sexual content. That's up from 67% one year alone. Nearly one-third of so-called family hour shows contain sexual references. Uh, it's getting worse. Now they're going into full-blown nudity shows. I don't know if you've seen that trend. Uh, and it's just full-blown nudity all the time. And uh, now what they're doing is they're trying to, like, blur it out a little bit, but then they're not always good with the blur effect. And, it, yeah, it's whatever. But it's people walk around naked. On prime time, MTV, as we saw before, has a show out called Virgin Territory. The whole premise is contestants are trying to lose their virginity and get what's called a V card. Right? Uh, another show is called Happy Land, uh, where the teen storyline is promoting incest. And the lead person in, in the show said, quote, incest is hot and we're going to have fun on TV. Right? Uh, remember, the God of this world is, is who, who is that? Satan, I, I'm telling you, he's using media, folks. Now, if you think that's bad, it's so bad now that on TV, again, anything that's contrary to God's word, right? One of the commandments is you shall not commit adultery, right? Piece of cake. You stay married till death do you part, right? But guess what? Now it's so bad, there are actually commercials out there. We finished our AI study with the AI app and all that stuff, putting people together. Now there's apps and websites you go to so that you can have an affair. It's nuts. Here's the commercial. All right, marriage, it's hard enough. Uh, we certainly don't need TV commercials that are trying to get us to cheat on our spouse. But they're out there, in-your-face ads, and your kids can even see this. Great, isn't it? Take a look. Isn't it time for AshleyMadison.com? I'm ready for something new Something for myself Something that I've got to do I can't wait to decide There's nothing that I haven't tried Except Ashley Madison Oh, Ashley Madison Life is short have an affair. Life is short. Have an affair. Uh, there's the motto. That's the tagline for AshleyMadison.com, an online dating service for married people advocating adultery. But hey, don't worry. It doesn't have an effect on us. This is nuts. He knows exactly what he's doing, man. Putting this into people's brains, trying to get them to what? Emulate his character. Right? Satan, at the fall of Satan, Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28. Satan, his fall, of course, was pride. But keep reading, it also says there's the five I wills of Satan in Isaiah 14, right? And he says, I will be like God. I will ascend to the Mount of Assembly. I, he, he, he wants to be God. He wants to be worshipped. And God, who alone is worthy of worship, 
as Christians, we're not just followers of Christ, but we're to what? We're to be conformed to the image of Christ, right? As the one who's only worthy of worship, we're to be like Jesus, to look like Jesus, to, quote, emulate the character of Jesus, do what Jesus did. So what do you think Satan's doing? He wants mankind to be like him, to emulate his character and everything that's completely anti-God. He's using the media to get it done. You wonder why people are acting, talking, speaking, behaving like devils. Because the devil's getting you to emulate his behavior. And he's using, that's just one outlet, and that's the power of the media. The average American child and teenager views, again, certain Satan's a what? A destroyer, a murderer. Uh, 10,000 murders, rapes, and aggravated assaults per year on television. I'm sure that doesn't make kids aggressive or people, adults. 80.3% of all television programs contain acts of violence. A child born today witnesses 200,000 acts of violence by the time they're 18. Uh, and more questions are like, gee, what's all this doing to them? <laughs> Nothing. It's just entertainment. No, Satan knows that you put junk in, then it starts to produce junk out. What you believe, which is influenced by what you receive, begins to dictate your behavior. So if he could put satanic characteristics into your brain, then guess what you're going to act like? You're not going to be acting like Jesus. You're going to be acting like the devil, right? In fact, let's take a look at some of that proof that that's exactly what's going on. Here's some of the effects. Approximately one-third of the entire population of the United States, 110 million people currently have sexually transmitted diseases, according to the CDC. One-third of the United States people are walking around with STDs. I wonder why. Well, what's being promoted in the media? Sex outside of marriage, sex this, who cares about marriage, who cares about anything, don't listen to God, fornication, yeah, whatever, that's for those uh, old-fashioned, fundamental, wacky, religious Christian people, don't listen to them, listen to the devil. And now one-third are walking around like that. Every single year, there's 20 million new more STD cases. Uh, America has the highest STD infection rate in the entire industrialized world. I wonder why. The United States has the highest teen pregnancy rate in the entire industrialized world. Well, why would that be? Well, what's also promoted? Right? You got people all over the place that, oh, it's just casual. They're just friends. Name a sitcom on TV that doesn't show two people going to bed and they ain't even married. And nobody even thinks twice about it anymore. It's everywhere. Well, guess what? Sometimes you're going to produce a baby. Now, you need to be responsible with it. Uh, first of all, you should have refrained, right? And, uh, but because you didn't, you need to be responsible. But then you got a whole organization uh, called Planned Parenthood who's there to, quote, reap the harvest of your sin, right? The baby's not the sin, right? But uh, they are doing that on purpose because they're making billions of dollars off of murdering children, and the back end, they're selling their baby parts. We dealt with that eight weeks in our study, Abortion and the Mass Murder of Children. Get that if you want to see that. But we're, it's media, Right? For women under the age of 30, more than half of all babies today are being born out of wedlock. In the United States, more than half of all couples move in together before they get married. The Bible calls that fornication. Right? You don't move in until you get married, let alone sleep together. There are certain things that are reserved for marriage. That's what God says, but that's not what people are doing. 67% of Americans believe sex outside of marriage is perfectly fine. How could that be that figure if people are listening to what God says and emulating his character? Well, it's because they're not. Right? 58% of Americans believe that having a baby outside of marriage is fine. 72% of Americans believe that gay and lesbians relations are fine. Why do you think that's the case? Because, again, name a sitcom, show, movie, whatever, that doesn't promote homosexuality in a, in a positive light. And now they're doing it with transgenderism. Oh, and then the stinger is, if you don't go into that narrative from the media, uh, we're going to punish you with jail time and fines and whatever. Right? 
So uh, why do you think they did? The homosexual community has lobbies in Hollywood that pay millions of dollars for these people, and they give them the money. We'll give you $100,000 if you just say something positive and just one time. Well, the producers love that because what? That's free cash, man, that saves the bottom in line. So it's a money thing. But it, it, this is the kind of stuff that goes on, and it affects people's beliefs, which affects their behavior. Satan knows exactly what he's doing, folks. The marriage rate in the United States has fallen to an all-time low. Listen, 6.8 marriages per 1,000 people. That's nuts. Right? You hear people say, I don't want to get married. I don't want to used to be the dream of all kinds of people growing up in the United States of America. That was the American dream. Not anymore. 69% of Americans believe there's nothing wrong with divorce. And that boy, that's showing up today. And because that America has one of the highest divorce rates in the world, we also have one of the highest percentage of one-person households on the entire planet. Okay? Uh, one out of every three children in the United States now lives in a home without a, without a dad. One out of three. What's that going to do to them? You don't have a father figure. Right? And then a high school kid, again, I'm just reading headlines, and we'll close, but I think you're starting to get approved. Remember, Satan's a murderer. He's a liar. He wants to kill people. He's evil. That's his character. A high school kid took two kitchen knives, went on a stabbing rampage through a school. Remember the stats I shared before? Right? Because you guys have memorized all my sermons. Don't make me preach online. But anyway, uh, but anyway, before, the biggest problems not that long ago, a few decades ago, you know what the biggest problems in school were? Chewing gum. They got out of line in their turn going to the cafeteria. They didn't throw the uh, trash, the waste paper, the ball of paper into the wastebasket. They didn't do that. Those rebels. <laughs> and l- look at what's going on today. Why the switch? It's not the only reason, but part of it is the media. What you're ingesting in your brain influences what you think, which determines your behavior. A Florida teen was accused of poisoning a teacher's drink. A father put his six-week-old daughter in a freezer to keep her from crying. Three children were left to starve to death while one was chained to the floor. I'm just reading headlines across the United States. A woman was arrested after police say she, was inject- she injected hand sanitizer into the feeding tomb of her infant son. A grandmother forced soiled underwear down her 11-year-old granddaughter's mouth. A caregiver used a stun gun to punish the kids. A couple locked their three-year-old child in the trunk to cure his fear of darkness. Yeah, that's going to help. A mother stabbed her baby in an attempted murder-suicide. A woman strangled her newborn son and tossed him in the trash. A dad killed his wife and kids. Listen, why? Because he didn't have car seats. A Texas man was convicted of murdering his neighbors over dog feces. A North Miami beach man was fatally shot after a fight over utensils breaking out of what? A baptism party. you got to be kidding me. A Florida man bites his neighbor's ear off over a cigarette. A man stabbed a woman for bringing home a pizza instead of a chicken sandwich. Ron, the prophet Ron has spoken tonight, folks. That is foul. That's foul all the way around. I didn't even have to say it. Praise God. My mission is making headway. So the people besides me. But, but again, what, what, how could this happen? Why are people, I don't know about you, that's, that's devilish characteristics in our society. That's devilish behavior. That's satanic. I mean, how can people get so cruel, so cold, so callous, so brutal, dare I say, murderous? I think somebody's using the media to get them to emulate his character. But then you have people out there that say, nah, this isn't real. The devil himself is not even real. He's a figment of your imagination. Or you got 65% of the church say, that's just a symbol of evil. The whole time while he's doing that, 
and our society is going down the tubes. We need to deal with the existence of Satan and his character. You understand that. At least you know what you're up against. You realize that uh, it's going to lead to the next thing, and that is uh, the tactic. Okay, now let's get into the tactics of Satan, right? He doesn't just say, hey, here I am. I'm a murderer. I'm a liar. I'm a deceiver, right? I'm a, the, the great dragon. You know, I'm here to destroy you and to tempt you to do everything for the end. It's not just that. He em, uh, emulates that. He puts it forth, and the scripture has a term for it, uh, schemes, right? He schemes against us is what the Bible says, okay? In fact, those schemes uh, are very methodical, Right, uh, and and that's what the word uh, schemes actually means. It means to literally, to slowly but surely, methodically, step by step. He's got a schematic. You ever seen a schematic in electronics? Right, it it almost looks like what is that? Looks like a freeway in New York City or something. But no, it's a well thought out, detailed plan. And this goes right here because then you connect this thing over here, and then this goes here, and this branches off two things over here. And it may look weird to you, but it's a perfect plan to make the thing work. That's the passage that the scripture uses uh, and demonstrating to you and I uh, that that's what the devil's doing. His tactics are a scheme. He is schematically out to get us, okay? And uh, I want to share with you, uh, the scripture says, uh, and it's not always in a way where you're like, oh no, that's a demon. He's not. No, what did we see before? 2 Corinthians 11, 14. No wonder Satan himself, what? Masquerades as an angel of light. So one of his tactics is to come, one of his schemes, right, to get us to emulate his character that will ultimately lead to our destruction, including our society, dare I say, is he'll come on the scene and he'll try to pitch himself as a good guy, as an angel of light, right? So let's go back to the media. I mean, so surely Satan, I mean, he's getting people to emulate his character with all these bad shows and bad things and bad behavior and but he's not using the media, the same media, to get people to think that he's a good guy, is he? Yeah, who would have thunk this? I mean, if there's ever a show you think that would tank, it would be a show about Satan, Lucifer, and then you're thinking, nobody's going to watch that thing. Very popular show. Here's the trailer. People like to tell me things. There's deep, dark, naughty little desires that are on their mind. And you're not marrying this human stain because you're actually in love with him, right? Oh, God, no. No. Oh, my. I can't believe I just said that. Must be something about his face. Hey, boss. Remember me? Can I have your autograph? Did I sell my soul to the devil? So the devil made you do it, did he? The alcohol and the drugs, the topless selfies. The choices are on you, my dear. Someone out there needs to be punished. Stop caring. You're the devil. I think you have a visitor. Menazil! Your return to the underworld has been requested. Let me just uh, check my calendar. Here it is. The 7th of never through to the 15th of ain't gonna happen. How does that work for you guys? (laughs) Try it. You think father's upset now? He will not be merciful for much longer. We should be out there punishing those responsible. Come on, I'll help you. How could you possibly help me? I have the ability to draw out people's forbidden desires.
What's your name? Lucifer. Exactly. But hey, don't worry about it. Not even kids. I mean, kids, you know, before they've been brainwashed too much with the media. I mean, you think of the devil, Lucifer. But what's the media now? He's what? He, he's, a, he's a good guy. You know, it's just those fundamental Christians. They, they, they've misplaced him. He's actually here to help us solve crimes. But, but what, what is it? It's pitching that this guy isn't that bad. Who would have thought we'd live in those days? Right? Now, it gets even worse. Let me give you one more example of pitching Satan as a good guy. Which, by the way, uh, why would he do that? To get people to more and more accept his established behavior, that it's a good thing, to emulate more and more. Because, again, he wants to be worshipped. But if you recall back in our New Age studies, and I remember this before I got saved, being involved in New Age, one of the lies of the New Age movement is the devil is a good guy. Lucifer, meaning light bearer, the lie that he has the New Agers believing and promoting, still to this day, is that Lucifer got a bad rap from the Christians. He's a light bearer. He's here to bring light to us. Right, And we, we, we need to unbrainwash ourselves from the Bible and realize that he's here to help us. Mormons, remember our Mormon study? What do Mormons teach? And they're a messed up version of all kinds of things, including theology, which is bad and unbiblical. What do they teach? Jesus is the spirit brother of Lucifer. That's a core false teaching from Mormonism. But how do they pitch Lucifer? Not just as the spirit brother of Jesus, which is blasphemy, right? But that Lucifer wanted, remember, remember if you guys recall, he, Lucifer wanted to save mankind, but, but Jesus beat him to the punch. This is the Mormon version. Jesus beat him to the punch, and so he didn't, Lucifer didn't, didn't get to do it. Remember that? That's Mormonism. And I'm sorry, what does that promote? That promotes Lucifer as not that bad. Mormons even do that. Well, he's using the media again uh, to that he's good. In fact, he's perfectly fine for kids to come up and chum with. Right? This is a scene from Childhood's Inn, and they're flat out depicting Satan in all his typical imagery as a good guy. Somebody for the kids to look up to. Watch this.
right to hide himself from us. Still, I think, uh, I think it may be too soon. This world will be okay, won't it? Yeah, I think so. Hello? There is no need to be afraid. See, the kids like him. He's somebody to look up to. They're, they're even holding his hand. Just like those Baphomet statues that are being put up in government buildings across our nation. It isn't just the Baphomet statue with Satan there. It's what? He's got two kids on either side looking up to him. Being promoted, the same thing in media. But again, we all know that media has no effect on our behavior. It's one thing for Satan to have this evil character, and he's got this first tactic we're looking at. He wants people to think he's a good guy, but nobody's going to want to literally be the devil. Here's just one guy. Watch this. This is crazy. Well, this next guy, he wants to look like the devil. The man's name is Diablo Delifer, and to complete this dramatic look, he has had his teeth grinded to points. He's got his eyeballs tattooed so they're no longer white, it's red. He's also had his tongue split in half. He's inserted metal balls into his forehead. He's also going through with an operation to have metallic balls form a mohawk on the top of his head. Tattoos covering him head to toe. I guess all he needs now is a pitchfork. An interesting piece of information, Diablo Delinfer, that isn't even his real name. He adopted that when he embraced all this change. He was born Gavin Paslow. But it's got me thinking there were so many other names he could have adopted. He could have just went all out and called himself Saint Lucifer. Beelzebub, if you open the Bible, that one's in there. Or the Tempting Serpent. He continues to push forward, coming up with whatever he can to get that look fully completed. And the final step for him, he says he wants a tail. And not just like some prosthetic piece you get at the Halloween shop. He wants an organic one. Something that probably waves behind him. What's he going to do after that? Is he going to get hooves? Probably. At this rate. That's what I'm being pitched in our society. But this is the tactic of Satan, folks, and it's working. Again, I'm just dealing with the one-thread media, and we're probably going to get into, towards the end of our study, Lord willing, if we're still alive and still here, uh, we'll probably, just like we did with the witchcraft, I'm going to just pepper you with all the different ways that Satanism is being promoted. Uh, media, yes, but all different kinds of ways, and you wonder why our world is getting more and more satanic and devilish, okay? But the tactics, we need to understand that not just what our enemy is like, but what is he up to, because he's going to use these tactics to get people to emulate his character, that's what he's all about every day, whether you realize it or not, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. What is his goal? Why is he here? Why is he doing this? What's this war that we're up against? This is why God talks about this all of the scriptures so that we're equipped. We don't have to be afraid, but we know not just his character and his existence, but how's he going to come after us? Don't you think that would be something wise? So that we could have a shot across the bow, a heads up warning from God, be, be out on the lookout for this tactic, and it ain't just one. It's, he's going to try this one, he's going to try this one, and this one and that one, and God tells us every single one of them for our good. But if you walk around and act like it's not real, I don't want to hear this, or this ain't real, it's a figment. No, it's just a symbol of evil. Then guess what? You have no clue, and he's probably right in your midst. Messing with you personally, your church, whatever, your country. And that's what's going on 
uh, today. Okay, again, scheming, methodia in the Greek, a well-organized, ordered plan, methodical approach to get us, to take us out with his deceitful, cunning, evil trickery. That's what it means. So let's take a look at a couple more. We just saw angel of light. What are some of the other tactics that the scripture describes that he is really doing this every day? So not to be afraid, but heads up. So you know what to look for so you don't fall for it, right? You guys like learning things the hard way? Then read the Bible. He tells you what to look out for. It's it's good information, okay? How's he going to try coming at us with his evil character? He provokes people, 1 Chronicles 21.1. He promotes murder, John 8.44. He promotes lying, John 8.44. He fills the heart to lie, Ananias. We saw that example, Acts chapter 5, verse 3. He causes physical illness. Not saying every illness, but some illnesses is an attack from uh, the spirit world, uh, from Satan and demons, Job 2.7. He causes blindness, again, same category, Luke 13.16. Spiritually blinds the unbeliever, again, this is why people, when you're talking to them, you're going like, I'm talking to a brick wall. Why ain't they getting it? Because it's a spiritual battle. Yes, as I said before, witness to them. But while you're doing that, under your breath, so to speak, in your mind, going, God, please, by your spirit, open their minds to your truth. Right? The spirit of God needs to open their minds. 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, he performs powerful signs and lying wonders. The Antichrist is going to emulate Satan, the dragon. He's inspired by Satan, and it's a bunch of lying, deceitful things, right? Get him to think that he's got God-like power, and it's not, you liar, okay? Uh, shoots flaming arrows, basically, again, tempting, never nonstop. Ephesians chapter 6, he hinders, 1 Thessalonians 2.18. He condemns, 1 Timothy 3.16. He's, let me back up to that. I am convinced that the enemy, his greatest tactic is not just, one of his greatest tactics is not just to get us to sin. That's, that's a given. He tempts, right, to get us to sin, right? Now, we still are responsible for it because we chose to do it. But he's out there putting that in your head. Sin, 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 sin. I think that it isn't just to get you to sin. I think his greater dastardly evil deed is after you sin and do what God says. The Bible says what? First John 1, 9. If you confess your sin, God's what? He's going to beat you over the head with a two-by-four. He's going to make you stay away from him. He's going to punish you. He is faithful and just. He will forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Then get back up and get busy serving him. Don't lose a second in self-pity or false condemnation. The enemy doesn't want you to sin, just to sin, I'm convinced. After you sin, he wants you to stay down there with the lie that God doesn't love you. He'll never forgive you. You can't serve Jesus Christ. You're disqualified. Excuse me. Read this scripture. Moses was a murderer. David murdered somebody. He committed adultery. I'm not glamorizing that. Read the scripture. Paul was a persecutor of Christians, right? Peter was a liar. God used every single one of them. God's always used crackpots. Turn to somebody and say, you're a crackpot, right? But God can use you. Praise God. Isn't that a great truth? Satan wants to keep you down. Because you know what he'll do? When you're down there and you think that you're condemned, when the Romans 8 is very clear, says there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In fact, in the Greek, it's a double negative. So what he's literally saying is this. There is absolutely no not. Don't even let it even into your brain. How dare you even think the thought that there's any condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's what it's saying. It's very emphatic. Because when you realize there's no condemnation and God has forgiven you of all your sins, past, present, future, you get right back up, cleansed by the Spirit of God, uh, forgiven in Christ, and by the Spirit of God, you get right back up and you keep serving Jesus. Satan will keep you down there for two days, two hours, two weeks, two years, thinking that you can't serve Jesus. That, to me, is his greater trap. 
because that whole time you're not, he can't take away your salvation, but he's stealing your time, right? That you could be out there witnessing, that you could be out there serving, right? Uh, but that's what he does. He condemns, right? First Timothy three sixteen. He snares, First Timothy three sixteen. He devours, First Peter 5, 8. He takes away the sown word of God. Man, that person, it seemed like they were getting it, and I talked to him an hour later, and they're back to being the skeptic. What happened? Spiritual warfare, right? Uh, he takes advantage, Second Corinthians 2, 11. He transforms, again, as we saw in the angel light. He wants people to think he's a good guy. Second Corinthians eleven fourteen. He tempts, Matthew 4, 1. He sifts people, like Peter, Luke twenty two thirty one, And he possesses people, like Judas, John 13, 2, and 27. And he casts into prison, Revelation 2, 10. Okay, and again, let's take a look at that passage where he takes all these characters with these ca- tactics, and every one of these tactics He's, he's scheming with them. How, he's looking for that crack. How can he get into you individually as a Christian? How can he get into a crack into your church? How can he get a crack into our country? How can he destroy? Right? 2 Corinthians 2, 10 through 11. If you forgive anyone, Paul says, I also forgive him. And what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake. Notice the context is forgiveness. There must be something very powerful about forgiveness. I'll say this. The scripture says, Ephesians, that we are to forgive just as in Christ God has forgiven us. How much has God forgiven us? Rhymes with all. Praise God, you guys are right. All. So then therefore, if somebody sins against us, how many times and how much should we forgive them? all otherwise you're being the biggest hypocrite to me you'll never be more like jesus christ than when you forgive like jesus christ who said on the cross while he was being murdered father forgive them for they know not what they do but before we get to the schemes i don't i always find it interesting the context here is forgiveness the reverse of forgiveness is what unforgiveness maybe he says this in the context because unforgiveness will open the door for bitterness and Satan to get a foothold in your life. You need to forgive. Remember Corey Ten Boom? When the camp commander, the Nazi camp commander came up to her years later, who was responsible for the murder of the people there, and she was there with her sister. All kinds of people and family and loved ones were murdered by the Nazis, and this was the camp commander. He came up to her years later and took his hand out and said, Fraulein, would you please forgive me? And she recounts, she says, I, I couldn't move. I was frozen, stiff in place. And she said, then all of a sudden, uh, it was like the Spirit of God started at the top of my head, and she says, it was like a lightning bolt, and she said, it went down my shoulder into my arm, and woodenly, mechanically, my arm thrust up and met with his. And she said, I never felt the love of God as I did at that moment. And she said this, what I learned was to forgive is to set a prisoner free and realize the prisoner was you. Satan doesn't want you to forgive because I think that's the easy way for him to scheme into your life and act like him. And that's what he says, in order why? Why do you need to forgive? In order, here's the context. In order that what? Satan might not outwit us for we are not unaware of what? His schemes. He's out there trying to get you to emulate his character, all those different tactics we just saw. God told us Old Testament, New Testament in advance, how many centuries in advance ahead of the game. Here's exactly, he exists. I'm telling you in advance, so you're not caught off guard. I'm telling you exactly what kind of character he is, and I'm going to tell you every single multitude of the tactics of how he's going to come and try to destroy you because I love you 
and I don't want you to fall prey to him. Isn't that loving? Isn't that merciful? And then Satan has got people's minds so twisted that they say, no, I don't want to hear that. Mm-mm. And you wonder why things are getting messed up. Or they don't even just say, I don't want to hear it. They say, I don't believe it. And you wonder why we're getting smacked around. Okay? Uh, I'm going to share this with you. Uh, again, we've seen this before. And by the way, we're going to skip our prayer time. I've got to finish this. Uh, uh, and praises and prayer requests. But um, we've seen this before. But because of this radical, it's just like witchcraft. The whole occult topic. People don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear prophecy. They don't want to hear about sin. They don't want to hear about wrath. They don't want to hear, oh, I'm sorry. We're, you know what? We're here to study the Bible. So we're going to get it all. Uh, right? That's what you're supposed to do. That's how it used to be, basic biblical Christianity. But people, I don't hear that. Don't, uh, I'm going to leave. I'll take my money with you. But then as, don't even get me started on that one. Take your money and take your money. <laughs> right? But, but that's the mentality of people today. But here's my point. Because of that absolute denial, they not only don't know the character, the tactics, but he is now going rampant in the church. And I want to close on this. And we've seen this video before. And he is, it's, the church is in such a state of disbelief that actual Satanists are coming into the church to destroy the church for Satan. Let's take a look at this video again. Christians are the Satanist's worst enemy. They are out to torment you. They are out to blackmail you. They, they will even kill you. They even tried to kill me um, when I came out of um, black witchcraft. If you're in a church where the Spirit of God is really moving and where the Word of God is really being preached and where prayer is really going up to heaven for the salvation of souls, then they're going to regard you as their mortal enemies and they're going to be out there trying everything they can to, to destroy, to kill, and to maim, because that is, of course, the nature of Satan, and that is also the nature of his followers. They will try and infiltrate your church. They will try and set up whispering campaigns against the pastor and the elders. They may even try to seduce the pastor. For two years, I was involved in the Baptist church. I was constantly complaining about the pastor's sermons being too long, being too dry, sowing discord between the people, gossiping about others. As each member uh, is initiated into the coven, they are commissioned to do a job. And one individual's job may be to uh, desecrate a church. They'll des destroy or desecrate churches where they'll spray paint Satan right on the altar just to put fear into that Christian church. Some Satanists who were handpicked, um, the most powerful ones, were sent into churches to disrupt the meeting and we stopped people from going forward when they um, asked for people to go forward and accept Christ as their savior. I personally in fact was trained to learn all of the, 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 the Christian jargon you know to say hallelujah and praise the Lord and do all the right things and yet I, I had no more idea of Jesus being my savior than, than a man on the moon. If you can tear down the prayer foundation of a church then you've destroyed that church. And that's what every witch or Satanist plans to do when they go into a church is to tear down that prayer foundation and the rest of the church goes quickly after that. 
the real Satanists, the hardcore Satanists, are involved in criminal activity, and for that reason they are going to try and look as normal as possible, the better to be able to deceive you. They're doctors, they're lawyers, they're teachers, they're oftentimes people who are in positions of great influence over small children. Priests, ministers, doctors, police officers, judges, uh, businessmen, oilmen, teenagers, they're all linked together for one purpose, to sacrifice whatever they want to Satan. It would be a whole lot easier if these people wore, you know, a, had horns and a pitchfork and a red suit, but they just don't. They could be your next door neighbor. Or the person sitting next to you in the pew. Or the person behind the pulpit. Or the person who's on the church board. Or the person who is teaching Sunday school class. This really goes on, on a massive scale. And I think part of it is, a large part, is because we can't even make it past first base. And I'm talking the church. 65%, that's not real. He's coming in having a heyday, man. Let me give you a couple examples as we close. This is going on so much, just like we saw with witchcraft. Remember the witches that were sitting in pews, gaining access in the choirs, being elected to church boards? Sitting in the congregation, people thought they were, quote, speaking in tongues, but they were actually doing their incantations, cursing the congregation. Remember that? The same thing's being done now with Satanists. In fact, the words from the reports that I got is it's an epidemic. Of what? Of Satanists coming into churches right under their nose. Because they don't believe in it anymore. Free reign. And and let me give you uh, that quote. Presently, there are numerous reports. Listen to this. It ain't just churches. That the entire structure of Christianity has been infiltrated by satanic people. This includes pastors, local church leaders, all the way up to leaders of denominations. Christian music, Christian literature, and so-called Christian television ministries. And I'm inclined to believe these reports because nothing else explains the overwhelming inundation of New Age beliefs, witchcraft, paganism into so-called Christianity, as well as the blasphemous statements and practices of homosexuality, the rejection of biblical doctrine, and the ecumenism with evil religions. That's why the churches are going that route, because somebody has infiltrated, that's the tactic, to get you to emulate Satan's character. And it's being done on a massive scale. Quote, it's not just happening to churches and pastors uh, uh, hooked on numbers growth. Uh, It's happening to all kinds of churches where, listen, few or if anyone prays and cold formalism and rituals have replaced a once vibrant life. Listen, in this report, one church had demonic people in leadership that had controlled the church for years. Listen, they had 20 pastors in 20 years. Quote, the church was a stain in the city. One of the churches that I pastored, talk about a learning curve, Mr. Greenhorn at that time, I had people in that community my first year there, first few months there, repeatedly warned me about the congregation that I was pastoring. How's that for a reputation in the community? And you know what they said? They said, Pastor Billy, we like you. You seem like a nice guy. They would even say this and it would break my heart. We would even love to come hear you preach because I hear you're doing good things. But we'll never set foot in that church. And they said this, mark my words. They're going to come after you and they're going to run you out because that's what they always do to the pastors. That was the same church where I found out at the end of that that somebody on that board admitted openly in one of our meetings 
that they came from a family of witches. This is real stuff, folks, that goes on all the time. But they get control of a church, and you got all this substance, but you wonder why people go to church services and leave with such a disdain in their mouth. Oh, maybe it's because you went to a fake church, right? And, and there is no spirit of God there. It's just cold, dead formalism run by Satan, right? Let me give you two examples, one negative, one positive, and we'll close of how this goes on. And this is actual instances. The names are changed. Uh, a guy named Joe, he was talking to, again, name was changed, Bill Smith, but this is how, this is some of the tactics going into the church these, we just saw these Satanists do. And uh, Joe, he, he, he talks to this Bill guy out in the parking lot after services, and he simply says this, you know, that deacon who was elected recently, he's not fit to be a deacon. In fact, his car was seen one night late outside of Mrs. Widow's home. Well, Bill, he... He was a bit shocked, and, but he, he couldn't deny what Joe was saying because maybe it was true. And, and so, boy, when he got home, he told his wife. And so what did his wife do? ring ling ling That's juicy gossip in the church, baby. And so she, she began to spread it around. Well, sure enough, the end result, Mr. New Deacon's wife heard about it, and it caused a strain in the relationship between her and her husband. Another time, the same guy, Joe, uh, uh, he, not only, uh, he talked to Mr. Old Member. And then he started talking smack about the pastor. He says, you know what? I, I think we should have a change of a pastor. I don't think this is the guy for us. Just starting that thread. And, 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 and then he even said, but, you know, because after all, it's not good for a pastor who's been divorced. Well, Mr. Old Member, he's stunned. He, he didn't remember the pastor mentioned that when they, they get, extended him the call. And, well, listen, by this time, few people were enjoying the services. The atmosphere was totally heavy. No one seemed to be able to concentrate. Most people were totally mystified by all these recent developments, and no one could really understand why Joe continued to lob these verbal grenades with devastating effect on the congregation. And the whole fellowship, listen, had changed from a warm, caring group to a cold, untrusting congregation. A spiritual damper had been thrown over the whole congregation. Why? Because, quote, Satan has set this church up for destruction. Joe is infested with demons, and he's working for Satan, and that's what he's there to do. He's become a tool with demons now being able to destroy, listen, the work and witness of a good, what used to be a good evangelical church without anyone knowing it. And he says this, we must understand that Satan is a master strategist, schemes, schematic, and until fairly recently, his tactics used to be just to come and divide. Now, listen to their words. It's infiltration. It's not just divide and destroy. It's to take over, right? He says, the enemy is in our midst, and had we understood the scriptures better, stop denying this, we surely would have expected this in the last days, okay? Let me give you a positive example because you don't have to be afraid. If you're a good Bible-believing, praying, church, following God, you can spot these people. And here's one example. One guy says this, I was preaching in a revival in a small church of about 100 people, and, and, and man, people were coming and getting saved. Good things were going on. And when good things are going on, you're preaching the word of God and souls are being saved, what's going to happen? Somebody's going to want to mess it up. And sure enough, one night after the altar call, a man came in whom this guy says I, I hadn't seen before. He had certainly not been in the building during the preaching. He was, he was going about the congregation laying hands on people. But before I could get to the pastor to ask him about this strange man, an old lady 
absolutely beaming with the presence of the Holy Spirit, walks up to this guy. Listen, she had her Bible clutched in her hand, and she said this to him. Mister, don't you know that God's people know when we've got a devil amongst us? And she swung and smacked him in the head with her Bible. <laughs> Listen to this. He was stunned, but he didn't move fast enough. She hit him again. In fact, she hit him several times before he navigated through the crowd and made it out the front door on a dead run. Here's the point, he says. Churches with godly people committed to God, praying, study the Bible, they do not get infiltrated. They recognize the one in whom Satan has had an influence through, i.e. a demon. There is no soft entry point from them, and they cannot remain as an attendee. And so if there's going to be any, quote, purging of the church today or any other sect of Christianity, the people of God have got to get serious about knowing God. Now, I like this line. I'm not advocating uh, of smacking the infiltrator in the head with the Bible. But I am saying that as Christians, if we're not dedicated enough so we can discover the many truths of God, including the existence of Satan, the character of Satan, the tactics of Satan, which I'm not making up, it's all of the Bible, and we're supposed to study all of it, then how are we going to recognize the emissaries of Satan when they're right here in our midst? Do you see the danger of saying no or no, it's not real? And who do you think spreading that lie? He says this, the very continuance of Christianity depends on how well professing Christians understand and react to this truth. This is not a game. It is a life and death struggle for the eternal destinies of souls. So, that's why, Lord willing, next time, if we're still alive and still here, now we're going to get into the history. How in the world did we get into the shape that we're in, not just in our country, but the church, who would go so far into apostasy, and you, just, you, you not only don't want to hear the word of God, you don't even want to hear prophecy, or you don't want to talk about, you, you don't, 65% of you out there, you say, no, it's not even real. How in the world did we get into that shape? Well, we're going to take a look at that. We're going to take the journey, the history of Satanism, and certainly how in the world did he make it this far into the church? We better wake up. Don't have to be afraid, but let's be wise with what God is telling us so we can keep moving forward for him. Amen? Well, hi, this is Billy Crone of Get Life Ministries, and I hope you were blessed with this study. But in closing, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple of things that the Bible says. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the wages of our sin or unholiness is death? In other words, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and be separated from God for all eternity. This is the great cosmic dilemma. God who is holy and we are not... How can we have a relationship with Him? The two will never mix. Now, to make matters worse, we don't even want to admit this, even though God already knows He's God. And so God, out of love, gave us something called the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were not something to just memorize or stick on your wall or give the appearance of being a religious person. The Ten Commandments were God's divine x-ray, if you will, into our heart and soul to reveal this truth that we need to admit. And that is this, that God is holy and that we are not. We are disqualified for heaven. So let's take a look at that divine x-ray that God's trying to get us to realize. Uh, the, the Ten Commandments, the, the ninth one says, you shall not bear false witness. That's lying. Okay. How many guys have ever told a lie? Raise your hand. Okay. 
Well, if you didn't raise your hand, you just did. You just told a lie because we've all done that. Well, that makes us a liar. The, another Ten Commandments says that you shall not steal. Don't ever take anything without permission. How many of you guys uh, have ever done that? Well, you guys already said you're a bunch of liars. All of our hands should have went up on that one. And for being honest, God already knows. Folks, we've all taken something. We've stolen something, right? That makes us a thief. Another Ten Commandments says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. He's not just holy. Even his name is holy. Hey, folks, let's be honest. If you can believe it, even the name of Jesus Christ uh, has been turned into a common cuss word. Well, the Bible says that's a sin of blasphemy. Now we're a, a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus said, here's his standard. Uh, uh, even if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you committed adultery in your heart. Wow, so now we're an adulterer. The Bible says you shall not murder. And you might think, well, hey, at least I haven't done that one. Really? Again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred, wishing somebody was dead, okay, that, that's the same thing. Uh, it's akin to the sin of murder. It's just you pulled the trigger in your heart, but God sees the heart. Hey, folks, that's just five out of ten. How are you doing? You still think you're going to get to heaven on your own? You still think that you're qualified, that you're holy like God, and you could bridge the gap and have a relationship with Him forever? I don't think so. I mean, what did we just see? You're going to stand before God, and so am I. We all are. And we're going to have to give an account for who we are. Hey, hey, God, let me in. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a liar. I, I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer. I'm an adulterer. I'm a murderer. And the scripture is very clear, folks. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of God. We're in trouble. But folks, here's the good news. The Bible says that if we would just admit that, that's the first step. To admit that God is holy, that I'm not, I'm disqualified for heaven, I need a Savior. If we would admit that and then ask for the Savior to save us. That, that's what God was doing with Jesus. God gave us His Son, Jesus Christ. He took the death penalty in our place so that we could be completely forgiven of everything we've ever done and be made holy through Jesus so that we can now have a relationship with God both here and now and forever in heaven. We can become qualified. The word that the Bible uses is a word called pardon, that God is willing to pardon us of all of our sins and crimes that we've committed against him and disqualified us, that disqualified us for heaven, right? And we've actually seen this work in real life. Uh, for instance, uh, there's been people who have committed crimes, gone to court, the gavel's been passed. The judges said, hey, listen, we all know you're guilty. Uh, you even admit you're guilty. And uh, for your crimes, you're going to not just jail, you're going to uh, await in jail to go to the death penalty. And did you know that there actually is a way that somebody could get off of death row? It's called a pardon. The one in the authority, the governor, can grant what's called a pardon for that person's crimes, and they literally can go free. Not because of something they did, because the deeds are already done. You can't undo it. Not because of they tried to clean up their act while they were stuck in the jail cell, because that doesn't change anything. But simply out of mercy, the person who has the authority can give them a pardon, and they can go free. And did you know it's actually on historical record that there have been people who have been granted a pardon from the death penalty, and they've refused to take it. And so even though the offer was there to be set free, they themselves still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, in a nutshell, that's what God's doing every single day with all of us this side of heaven. While you still have breath, you still have an opportunity to receive God's pardon 
He's willing to forgive you of all your sins if you would just receive His pardon through Jesus Christ. Again, that's what He was doing on the cross. The cross was the death penalty of the day. But since we weren't there, and since we can't earn it, it's a gift from God, you have to receive that by faith. Reach out even today from your own spiritual jail cell, if you will, and say yes to Jesus and God's pardon so that you can be set free and go to heaven. The Bible says that if you will confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the grave, you will be saved. Hey, folks, if that's you, don't delay. You may not even have tomorrow. Today could be your last day. Please accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Confess with your mouth He is Lord. Believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the grave. And the Bible says you will be saved. Well, this has been Billy Crone of Gill Life Ministries. If there's anything that we could do for you, our information and, and number will come up here shortly. And please don't hesitate to contact us. But remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.